Well, here we are in a special edition of the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Day podcast coming to you from the Brook Street Hotel in Ottawa, Ontario. Special edition on what certainly is one of the more surreal days in the history of this team. We wake up this morning, fellas, get here late last night from Buffalo after the Golden Knights lose their fourth straight. And we wake up to the news that Gerard Gallant and Mike Kelly have been fired by uh, Kelly McCrimmon, the Golden Knights general manager, and Peter DeBoer taking over as the new head coach of this team. And let's just maybe quickly go around the table and, and get your immediate reaction when you heard the news, Shane. We'll start with you and how you've kind of put the pieces together here over the last few hours. Well, I think initially you wake up to that news and, you know, shock is what comes to mind. But, you know, having been around the game as long as I have, the shock wears off quickly because that is uh, the unfortunate nature of this business. Uh, this is a results-based business. There are difficult decisions that have to be made up top from management, and they are ultimately the ones uh, that if they don't like what's going on with the team, with the organization, um, decisions have to be made, hard decisions, ones that I'm glad I don't have to make. Um, uh, Gerard Gallant, Mike Kelly, two extremely smart hockey men, great guys, um, with his team... And I think when you think about it, when I think about it, I don't think they've hit their potential yet. And we've used the word consistency all year long. Uh, that's that's a, a tough word to inconsistent is a tough word to associate with a team uh, that has the talent they do. Um, I'm a big believer, though, that, you know, the coaches usually are the ones that fall. We've seen it a lot this year. It's been a, a strange, very strange year for uh, NHL coaches, but uh the execution and the blame falls to the flair the players they're they're ultimately the ones who have to go out and execute uh and when they aren't it's uh it's usually the coach or coaches uh that pay the price seven coaching changes in 57 days in the NHL two of the guys that were fired have already been rehired Peter DeBoer obviously in Vegas and John Hines in Nashville um the consistency word Gary was brought up by Kelly McCrimmon today um, and he said he just had a feeling something wasn't right, something needed to change. What was your initial reaction this morning? Well, I think, you know, Kelly McCrimmon saying he has a feeling. I think that a, a lot of that is also respect to Jared Gallant. He's not going to get into specifics publicly and sort of say, this is what we were doing wrong and, and blame the coach, or because he doesn't blame the coach. He said that a number of times today. This is an organizational failing. There's, you know, the players share the blame. The, the roster hasn't isn't good enough. The goaltending department uh, hasn't been hasn't been good enough. The work ethic hasn't been good enough. Like there's a whole bunch of factors that come into this. Roster is not good enough. That so there's lots of lots of. This blame gets shared, and I think uh, McCrimmon did a pretty good job of of making it as such today. My emotions today are are, are actually this is different for me. I have on the other side of the table. I've called for coaches to be fired. The last time Gerard Gallant got fired, I wrote a column uh, eviscerating the Florida Panthers for the way they handled it. Um. I, I I and I think I speak for all of us yeah, here. This is a, human beings. This is one of the best guys you'll ever yeah. come across in in whatever walk of life. And he took this team to the Stanley Cup final. Like that. Like this. It's kind of it's 
If you were an employee with the Vegas Golden Knights in year one, in any respect, this is a really hard day because there, this was that there was that golden moment, that golden season where all that stuff happened, and we all felt bonded and tied together by that. And one one of us was two of us were cast out today. That's hard. I, I think, and uh, you know, I, I spent some time with Kelly McCrimmon just this afternoon, you know, and uh, hey, this is, he's not a guy who shows his emotions. He, he's not a happy guy today. This was really hard on him. And I think he said to all of us, the easiest thing for him to have done here would have been to have done nothing. If he hadn't have fired Gerard Glant today, uh, no one would have said, boy, you should have fired Gerard Glant. That, the, the, the decisions that was made by McCrimmon and McPhee today was solely in what they think is what is best for the organization. And it was the hardest thing to do. The easiest thing and the right thing, Dan, you know, we kind of talk about this, are often two very different conversations, right? And, you know, you look at what's happened here, and Gary, you touched on it, how quickly it goes by. Stanley Cup final in year one, the greatest expansion team in the history of sports. Last year would have made a decent run in the playoffs if we all know what happened. Here they are this year. And I will say, Shannon, we kind of talked about this on TV, off TV, a little bit of both. There was a feeling like something was amiss. Hard to put your finger on. They didn't win more than two in a row until December this year. They had a good run. You know, we talked a lot about that Thanksgiving Eve win in Nashville. Could that be a springboard? And it was for a while. They went 13-4-2 in 19 games between that win in Nashville and the comeback win against St. Louis. But I think these last four games have been very troubling. Losing the teams they should not be losing to. Mark Stone said it point blank after the game last night in Buffalo. We're better than the teams we're losing to. They lose to a Pittsburgh team with no Crosby and no Gensel. They lose to an L.A. team that's rebuilding that's not good. Columbus has nine players out of the lineup. They lose to them. Buffalo, not good, and they lose last night. So Kelly McCrimmon... You know, said this is something he's been pondering for a while, but I think especially these last four losses and let's, have been very, don't very forget difficult the wins before that five four, right? Five come four, back come back, but five four yes. Philly, like, but these last four, when you think, okay, like the first four games of the homestand, they went all four, and then you could see it start to regress. Well, there are a few things that that come to mind, and first of all, it is it is the the people involved, the coaches, as as you guys touched on. But I have to just say, it has been an honor to talk with Gerard Gallant before pretty much every Golden Knights game, and that's a, a special time that he and I have had together before every game. And I will miss that, and I wish he and his family well. And the same to Mike Kelly, and and you mentioned Gary, the employees. Uh, at, you know, it's the fans too. I think that yeah. a lot of the people that uh, got on board with the Golden Knights will always feel a certain kinship with Gerard Gallant. And that brings me to the word loyalty. And for Gerard Gallant, one of his great traits that the players would speak of, the loyalty to his players. If there was a guy who was out, a guy who wasn't playing well, Gerard Gallant had a certain leash. Um, the opportunity for guys, whether it was Jonathan Marcheseau or Riley Smith, who had played with him in Florida, but even to Brandon Peary. Brandon Peary is probably not the part of the Golden Knights that he was, if not for Gerard Gallant. So that loyalty factor that he had for his players, it seems to me that it of late was not reciprocated the way that he would have hoped, right? He is such a player's coach. He gives them a certain amount of freedom. 
And that freedom is granted with the expectation that they are going to work hard for him. If there's one phrase that Gerard Gallant said a million times, Mm -hmm. work hard, compete, work hard, compete. He said it so much, I can only wonder if it starts to come in one ear and goes out the other without it really computing. So again, Gerard Gallant's loyalty to his players, the fact that over time, it just has not been reciprocated to the same level. And then I understand the frustration of a lot of people today who will question this decision because of how much Gerard Gallant has put loyalty toward the organization. And this almost feels like the organization is not as much appreciative of what Gerard Gallant has done for the organization in two and a half years, getting to the Stanley Cup final, assembling this team of misfits and having the most incredible season in expansion team history, winning the Jack Adams, two out of three years being the Pacific Division head coach. But... All of that said, sentimentality. This is business. And as much as we want to love the team Mm -hmm. that we follow, fans, broadcasters, whomever, the business has one objective, win. Ruthless. And that makes this so hard to swallow for, for us because we know Gerard Gallant. And I'm sure for many fans who have never met him in person, never talked to him, but because of that kinship, and the uh, the way that there was a certain bond, it's hard to mesh, as you said, David, <laughs> the decision that is uh, a, a happy decision, it is not. But is it the right decision? Is it an easy decision? The bottom line, the decision is about winning. And if Kelly McCrimmon feels that the organization is more likely to win a Stanley Cup with a different head coach, that's the only decision he can make. Sentimentality be damned. They were trending in the wrong direction. Well, I think if you you, know, you like, go through the roster, yeah. who's playing at their capability? Pacioretty. Pacioretty. Stone. Stone. Smith. 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 Riley Smith. Pretty short list. Here's the other thing that— In contrast to who was playing above, you know, the first right. year, was everybody was having career years. Well, two things that stuck out to me with what—it was a lot of things, but just a couple of things that come to mind. Kelly McCrimmon said today. One was year one, and I want to kind of— I think we all this. get in the fault of this. Right. Here's the thing, and you mentioned this today, Shane. There is no way you are ever going to be able to replicate the circumstances of year one ever again. Everything involved, all the misfits, all the cast-offs, everything against the horrendous backdrop of 1 October and the magic that was that season. That being said, what Kelly McCrimmon came back to today is That foundation of that team and this organization was built on a relentless work ethic all the time, not just in year one. And I think they felt like there were too many guys that were a little too comfortable. And they haven't, you know, you see it something in their play. The poor starts to me were a big red flag, not being ready at the beginning of games. Three nothing down, three nothing down, four. They've had the lead for about four and a half minutes total in their last four games. Now, I don't know if that's the coach or not. I, I kind of come back to you, Shane. You, don't, you shouldn't need a coach to go in no. and get you ready to play. But that being said, the starts troubled me here lately. And if they feel they have more to give as a team, you've said that, that to me, Shane, on television, off television. How do you fix a team you feel is underperforming? To me, you have two ways to do it. That's a great question. Last year, the Golden Knights, before the trade deadline, lost 6 of 7 and 10 of 13 acquired Mark Stone, and they won six in a row in 10 of 11. 
So last year, and and they they were they had a three point cushion for a playoff spot when they made that trade. This year, they're you know the the point was made today. They're right in the mix of everything. There's two different ways to do it. You can make a big trade, and I've even said to Shane, at times they've looked like a team that needs a jolt of some sort of a trade. They did that last year. The other way to do it is to do what they did this exactly. Morning. Great point. That's the other way to do it. Yeah. They're, they're, now, whether it's going to work, I cannot tell you. Right? This is but the they whole, weren't ready to wait it out and see if it was going to change. And there, it seems to me, and Shane, you're probably best to speak on this, there are fewer avenues for a coach to take if you're trying to f- get your team fired up. Yeah. You know, And you talk about at one point, the team had at one point this year lost five in a row. Now they've lost four in a row. But that's when that defensive zone structure changed. You know, that, there's, okay, there's, there's one thing that you can do. Uh, you know, the, the rah-rah speech. I mean, how many things are there? There seem to be fewer things that a head coach can do now than maybe when, say, Gerard Gallant was a player. And this is on the players. This this is on them, and they all said it. They talked about wake-up call. Marc-Andre Fleury used the analogy, you know, it's easier to get rid of one or two coaches than it is what whatever guys, they said, either trade. So the coaches is the move right now. But this is on the players. This is the time when they've got to sit back, look in the mirror, reevaluate their game, reevaluate what's important. Hockey's got to come number one in the city of Vegas for each and every player on this team. I don't care what you got going on on the outside. It's got to come down and get back to being the game of hockey. There wasn't any, that's all it was about in year one. And yes, we can't, you can't manufacture that type of season, the type of emotion that was attached to these cast offs, to these guys and what they, everything that was involved. But there's certain things from that year that you can take back coming in. And for these guys, I think it's on these guys as a group, the leadership, the young players, everybody. As I said, it's a wake up call. They've got to focus on being a Vegas Golden Knight. Focus on their task at hand, playing the game. There's lots of other times to do other stuff. Has to get back to the number one priority as a professional hockey player. Yeah. And that's winning and preparing yourself and being ready to play. Mark Stone made the comment today. He was asked about, here's the, it's a lot of things that come out of today, but Mark Stone's going to play his first game back in this city tomorrow since, he, since the trade, last, at last trade deadline. Busy time for Mark. So, and it, it's kind of overshadowed now by obviously what happened today, but he was asked today about playing in Vegas. He said, we have all the resources we need to succeed. Great ownership, great fan base, great building, great city, great climate, great quality of life. He could not have been more right. But to Shane's point, all that is secondary to playing the game. Yeah. And focusing on what's really important. And sometimes that can get Sometimes it, gets, sometimes it gets too good. Yes. Right? It too gets comfortable. comfortable. And then does entitlement start to uh, start start to creep in? There, There's no black and white here either, too. We, we need to talk about Pete DeBoer at some yeah, point. But the fact we're well. discussing all this stuff. That's troubling, right? Yeah. I mean, and like the, the Columbus game to me was the real scary one because they had lost the game before in a fashion where you know, they were all saying, we got to be ready to go. We got to be ready to go. And then they weren't. And then as the game went on, no one did anything to change it. There was, I, we talked about it on the radio. There was no one. No was, fight. No making a difference. No slash and anger. No, okay, if we're, if we're going to, I'm going to get in a fight or I'm going to throw a big hit or there, there was nothing. It was 
flat. Yeah. And that was... And know, we talked about the absence of Jonathan Marcheseau and how he could be a spark plug, but frankly, if you're putting it on Jonathan yeah, Marcheseau to be a spark plug, that in itself gives you uh, an indication there's something wrong. Yep. Next man up mentality was another strength of this team. Not worried about who's out. It's unfortunate, but next man up. And you don't change the way you play. And it really is. And you talk about those games they lost. I talk about the games they won. St. Louis is one of the most exciting games you can have. But, again, weren't ready. Fall down. Then you have to fight back. Uh, just, And I think that overshadowed maybe some of the mistakes. And it's, it gives you a false sense of accomplishment. When you're winning games and maybe not playing the right way. It's amazing the expectations of this team too, right? Well, that, and that's the thing. We got high. They're a Enormous. good team. Yes, they, they are a good team. It's the most skill they've had. This is the most skill they've had. So Krim said that today. That goes along with that here. Yeah. And they're a team that, here's the funny part. Of all the teams that have made changes at the time of the change this year, they're in the best spot of anybody. Oh, by far. They're, you know, they were in first place the other day, but I mean, they could be in first place in three days. Right. That's how. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a it's an average Pacific division, but that's not their fault. But of all the other team, you know, like all these other teams that have that made, you know, I know Dallas and Calgary were uh, extenuating issues. I, I get all that. But they're still right. It's not like I mean, they said it today. The bottom hasn't fallen out of their season. They could have a good week and be right back. In first well, place. they need to because they, they could have yes. a bad week and, and fall be, yeah. and, be, and be the other way. And there's still 33 games to go. So, Gary, you, I heard the word uh, details today. Yep. Missing certain details missing from their game. What would be a part of that? What's not missing? What's missing now that they hope Peter DeBoer can fix? Well, Peter DeBoer is, it has reputation as being technically really sound. And he, this guy's got a really good track record, okay? He's been in the Stanley Cup twice. Uh, in the three of the four years that he was in San Jose, he took them to the Stanley Cup. He took them to the Western Conference Final another year. Um, you know, this is a this is an excellent coach. Shane, Shane can speak to, to, to some of these details a lot better than me. The NHL today, though, you have to— you're, you have to protect the blue ice in your own zone. And Craig Berube said it when we were in St. Louis. He said, this game's going to be all about the blue ice. Us protecting ours and us getting Inside. into theirs. Vegas has not spent any time in, in the opposition's crease. Uh, and they don't they don't drive the net. There's, there's no middle lane drive. So those are the two things that I think that, you know, Pete, Pete DeBoer will have the advantage of having no loyalty to these players, so he will tell them what he wants them to do, and if they don't do it, he will park players. He will say, you're not playing the way I want you to play. Um, you're, you're not playing. Uh, he will change lines. He will not... All of the sentimentality and the nostalgia Out of the year one is gone. It, it is, And as much as it's a fresh start and a clean slate for players... That means it's a clean slate going forward, but it's also a clean slate going back. There's no history. Pete DeBoer doesn't care what you did in year one or year, in year two. He cares what you're doing for the next 33 and years. And the other part of it is, which head coach in the National Hockey League would be most familiar with the Vegas Golden Knights? 
Vegas playing two playoff series against San Jose. And of course, you know, a regular season game earlier this year that uh, obviously Pete DeBoer is not a part of, but he has, as much as any other coach in the National Hockey League, studied the Vegas Golden Knights over the course of the last few years. You can't make this crap up. <laughs> the fact that these two teams battled it out two years in a row in the playoffs, oh the gosh. whole. Game yeah, seven yeah. debacle, and now yeah. Peter DeBoer's gone in San Jose, and Turk's gone in Vegas, and DeBoer's coaching the Golden Knights. is It's nuts. Well, it's an interesting thing because we, we talk about the different coaching changes that have happened this year for different reasons, admittedly. But the thought of having an interim head coach versus hiring a, a full-time head coach right away and the different possibilities that you know Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee and company would have considered, perhaps, um, you know, it, it seems to me that when you have a guy in mind, you go for the guy. You, you why wait? Um, you know, and, and the, the other thought is, if you waited until the middle of June, right, he's gone. Know, He'd be well, on because, the top because of the line there have list. been so many changes and so many openings, and then you know, of course, John Hines, you know, Gerard Gallant let go, but Pete DeBoer let go a while back. Pete DeBoer is not even the first coach to lose a job and then get another job right. this year. John Hines got it's fired by the Devils and then got hired by Nashville. I just want to go back to it, Gary. You said yeah, talking details. about details. It, nothing about Gerard Glant. Coaches all have details to the game. This isn't, you know, Pete DeBoer is not going to devise a whole new no. huge strategy when he comes in. It's more the terminology, the approach, and, and the way they deliver it to the team that's going to change. That That's going to be the difference here. Um, Do you see that in a practice, Shane? Yeah. Like, is it like, do you change like how practice is structured? Everything. Practice will change a little bit. Some drills will be changed. All those things. The actual details of the game are going to be the same. It's going to be different terminology and maybe a different approach. There might be some tweaks um, as he learns about uh, this team. Um, Pete DeBoer, from everything I've heard from hockey people around, I had Paul Maurice, who's head coach in Winnipeg. They grew up, they're best friends. Always described as an extremely, one of the most intelligent people he knows. Um, I don't know how he runs the in-room, um, but he's a guy that that is very calculated, very always thinking hockey. But all coaches are too. I, I don't. This is where we shouldn't take away from Gallant and no, Kelly because no. it's going to go. It's still ultimately back to it falls again on the players yeah. to go out. They're the ones that play the game. Yeah. And I've said this every year. I've been abroad. The X's and O's on teams are. are very minor from team to team. It's who goes out and executes the best on the ice. And talent plays a part of that. Work plays a part. Compete. And then a little bit uh, of adversity at times. But, um, you know, Pete DeBoer, and maybe I don't fall into this while he's from the rival because players get traded. I've played with guys I've hated that got traded to my team and became best Mark's friends. That's the nature of the NHL. Mark's That's the nature of professional sports. Yes. Hated one of That's them, the right? nature of it. Would you not would you not Logan Couture if you're a gold? You go you fan, want the best you, player. You despise Logan Couture. Oh, don't right. you want him on your Drew team? Doughty? Would you take don't Drew you want, Doughty? You know <laughs> Well, both, both tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they're available. <laughs> well, no, I mean it's it's and and listen, there have been uh, examples throughout the history of the National Hockey League. Some very recent coaching change mid-year team goes on to have some pretty good success in June. And let, let's put it this way: if the Golden Knights reach the promised land, are you going to enjoy it any less just because they made a coaching change during the season? I don't think so. <laughs> you would never make that trade-off if you are going to win. And and that is as hard as the business is, as hard as it is on the people, that is uh, the business that Bill Foley and company are in. It's about winning championships. You mentioned the, you know, the X's and O's, I mean, you know, the penalty kill has taken some hits here recently, yeah. right? They've given up eight goals in their last few I think special teams is maybe yeah, more you can, you can that, add a little yeah. bit more. 
plummeted yeah. on the penalty kick. Yeah, it's been not good, including well, it's, last night. It's been again. trending down, and now it's just dropped. Yeah, and that's an area that you know Kelly McCrimmon mentioned today. Peter DeBoer's team, special teams over the years, they've always been. But but you go back to the the, it's not like the goal they had success with it twenty five games and now they don't. So what's the difference? They didn't change anything. So back to the execution. (laughs) <laughs> what are we going to do if Pete DeBoer walks in and says, we're playing man-to-man-to-man man to man in the D-zone? <laughs> I, I don't think we'll see that. So no. were you more shocked by the news or by the replacement? Oh, the replacement. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I Yeah, listen, with his many, I think we've been preconditioned this year to coaching changes because of the sheer quantity. Whereas, was it a couple years ago, there were, there were no changes, right? Right. Now, because there have been so many, um, you know, we, we have been remarking on the longest tenured coach in the Pacific Division, you know, Travis Green. He's only been there for three years. Um, you know, it, it's still like John Cooper is the longest tenured head coach in the National Hockey League overall. He's only been there since 2013. Uh, you know, it's just it, it, so it's I think we've now all of a sudden been conditioned to not be totally floored if you lose a head coach midseason. This one's surprising because of the history. But, yeah, no, when you think of the different people who are out there, whether, you know, first of all, to hire a coach versus an interim coach, but then considering the number of people who have been let go um, and given Pete DeBoer's uh, very close connection with the Vegas Golden Knights in the last couple of years, that surprised me more than the, uh, the initial decision to let Gerard go. One of the things that has sort of stood out to me this year with all these firings. When a guy got fired, I would often send the, the news clip in a text message to Gerard. And he was always, are you kidding me? Like when Pete DeBoer got fired in, in San Jose, Gerard was aghast. When Pete Laviolette got fired in Nashville, same thing. He was like, what is going on? Like these are like successful guys. Like DeBoer went to the conference final last year. Yeah. But yep. that's, that, and I'm just saying that, like that, yeah. like that's, that's, that's a business track record in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know. this is the uh, you know so, Nashville. They go to Cup final in '17, win the President's Trophy the next year. Fought last year, they're out in the first. So you know, again, if you want, if you're in the trends, they were kind of trending in the wrong direction. And I, you know, I guess the in the feeling here was back to the kind of Kelly McCrimmon's comments earlier today that I think there was concern was if they didn't if they didn't do something. This inconsistency of a good stretch, not so good stretch, poor stretch, that that mix, they weren't going to be able to snap out of that. The job is their job is yes. to put the t- yeah. a team to win, and if yeah. you there's a decision you want to make that that's that's on them. That's part of being management. You make those decisions, and now your team's got to win. And it'll be it'll be let's say the Golden Knights go on to win the Stanley Cup. You know all this oh, decision. Will be will be applauded, right? The other part of it is is that you'll never know if Gerard Glant could have got them out of it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I w- wouldn't sit here and say he couldn't, but that's the yeah, we'll that, never know. That's that's the business, right? There is so that that one I was saying earlier. These aren't this isn't black and white, and there's there has to be some interpretation. Like it's not just what you're seeing on the ice. It's the body language of players as they're walking to a bus after a game. It's the the action of players that on an off day after a loss. All of those things, like you know, uh, uh, like McCrimmon and, and McPhee are there to observe all those things, and all it all kind of 
You know, you have your pro scout meetings last week. All your pro scouts are in. They're watching the team up close. And those guys, you know, they, they, they have opinions and they interpret things. A lot of stuff goes into to these decisions. And it's not I, – I, when Kelly McCrimmon says it wasn't, you know, last night or, or the last two or three games, I believe him. This is a compilation of a lot of things. I've got a question. Given what has happened again, pointing to the Blues last year, they made the coaching change in November. They didn't start winning until January. I know Jordan Bennington was a huge part of their turnaround. But my question is this. What is more likely to have a, a an impact on the Golden Knights? The quote-unquote wake-up call that their coach got fired. Yeah. They cost a man his job. And Mike Kelly, the assistant. Is that more of a wake-up call, or is Pete DeBoer and his coaching, his ability to come in and do whatever he's going to do, is that more impactful? Is it the wake-up call of losing Gerard Gallant, or is it Pete DeBoer? The first, the next three games is all of the wake-up call. Then, then DeBoer will spend those three games getting to know his coaching staff and his players. Then he'll have the the break, and that's when he'll really put his plan, his blueprint together, and then the games after. He'll install them after. So I think it's in the in it's adrenaline and anger immediately, and then it's what DeBoer can bring as a coach after. It's a tough thing as a player. And Nate Schmidt was emotional when he talked about a flurry that they let down their coach, their play. They admittedly, I've been there, and you don't feel good when a, when a person in this case too lose a job. Love coaches, great human beings, and Mike Kelly and Gerard Gallant. It is a difficult thing to swallow. Because ultimately, you weren't good enough. Yeah, Riley Smith and Jonathan Marshall, so in in large part, all their careers to Gerard Gallant. A lot of guys, William Carlson. Th- yeah. Those guys. Well, those guys. Th- those guys in particular, because he gave them the chance in Florida, and then when as soon as he got here, they were immediately at the like w- when Turk got hired. I, I talked to him immediately after, and what like he goes. Riley Smith and Jonathan Marshall are really good players. Yeah. Told me that immediately, right? Like th- those guys, they'll they will feel guilt and anger. There's a ton of emotions for those two yeah. players and, right and, now. And Nate Schmidt said mad. That was the first word he said. Gerard, mad. Uh, ter- or or uh, Mark Andre Fleury said he was angry yeah. that he hadn't played better so that this didn't have to happen. And when you talk about just Marcia so Carlson and Smith, which seems to me uh, the epitome of what Gerard Gallant found and created with this team two years ago, do we take it for granted that Pete DeBoer could say, Forget about Marcia So Carlson and Smith. What? I, I'm not going to put those three together. You know, the, the, all, a lot we'll, of the things that we've become accustomed to. Well, right, yeah, maybe. But what, that's and that's what I'm saying. Uh, things that we've come become yeah. accustomed to could very well be out the window. The 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 mo for a lot of things that we've gotten used to, and some of it's obvious, like a line yeah. combination. But other things that perhaps we haven't even thought of yet are could very well be very different. Well, all initially, the, initially, all of the won't things be. that he. Talked about with his coaches in their coaching meetings last year when they were beating the, the Vegas Golden Knights in the postseason. All of that stuff. What did what did I what did it's like when you when when you fight a guy? What worked against that guy? Not and, much. And you know, what I mean, like he'll, he'll I, I, if he's on an airplane right now, I would imagine that he's got a couple of a couple of sets of lines that he's doodling with, and maybe maybe he doesn't alter them tomorrow, or maybe he hits the ground running. And just 
one thought, this is the fourth head coaching stop for Pete DeBoer. The first three, Florida, New Jersey, and San Jose, he was not a midseason replacement. In other words, taking over an NHL team mid-year is not something he's done. He's gone into training camp with the Panthers his first go-around, then the Devils, and then the Sharks. Oh, and by the way, with the Panthers, no, didn't get to the cup final, but with the Devils year one, got to the cup final, lost to the Kings. Year one with the San Jose Sharks, got to the cup final, and lost. But the point is, got to the cup final in two of his three first seasons with an NHL club. Well, and how many coaching changes, Shane? Do you remember off the cuff, midseason as a player, did you? Well, I remember one. I remember one the uh, the IHL. I had one there. Uh, I'm trying to think where else, but that that one sticks out because he he was kind of he was instrumental. He was a, he was a, he was a great coach. He was very fiery. Dave Allison was his name. And I mean, back then, I remember this group. We went for beers with him uh, after, Le after Le he got fired. Uh, but we loved him. Like he yeah, was, yeah. he was hard on us. He challenged you, but loved him. And it was. I remember that was the first one that that really that hit me. And I was like, oh wow, you know, we we didn't perform to our abilities. That's that's what it came down to. And uh, that and that's why why I think you know we're talking about Pete DeBoer. Like we in that situation, we had our general manager step in as a coach, and I think initially he's got to come in and earn this room. He's going to give them time to see if they can play. I don't think you'll see a lot of changes, but then that so that's on the players. There's the thing they they want to stick the way it is. Well, go out there and do it. Yeah, they still have a lot of season left after the game against Boston next week. Going to the bye, they'll have 32 games left, and they're still in a good position, but. The sense I, I felt for a little while is something had to change. What that change was going to be, I wasn't quite sure, but... Or when it would happen. Or when. Or if. But the, but. Or if. Yeah, it, there, was, there was a chance nothing <laughs> might happen, right? But it turns out today that, uh, that it did. Now, we should mention Ryan McGill, Ryan Craig, Tommy Cruz, Dave Pryor, all still uh, with the Golden Knights, and, and they were out there at, uh, at practice today here in Ottawa. Um the goaltending moving forward, Lawman, how do you see that uh, in terms well, of... Well, Pete DeBoer was pretty vocal uh, as the head coach of the San Jose Sharks when he was, you know, I'm going with Martin Jones or, you know, he... I, I would imagine Pete DeBoer is going to have a big voice in that. Because Dave Pryor's had a huge voice right yeah. over the last two yeah. and a half years. I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine, if, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a tweak there. Yeah. Well, you also yeah. think about everybody was clamoring for... Aaron Dell in the middle of the Golden Knight yeah. Sharks playoff series last year. And I think we were all scratching our heads when Pete DeBoer kept going back to Martin Jones. And obviously it was the right call in the end. Yeah. Turned out it worked. <laughs> they had some help along the way. <laughs> but I've got to try to let that go now. Well, and, because and, and, of and it was game Martin six, Jones, right? Martin yeah. Jones yes. in game and six. And Martin Jones terrific. really did play well after he got over that hump. Well, um, to say the least, uh, an incredible day here for for the Golden Knights, and it, it'll be interesting, Shane. You know, talk about Peter DeBoer and what he's what he's jumped into. I mean, as we speak here, late afternoon in Ottawa on Wednesday, I would imagine en route, supposed yeah. to get here either later tonight or early tomorrow morning, yeah. and then what what's tomorrow like for him taking this season, uh, taking this team over on the fly? In midstream like this, what's I think it? it's a lot of just observing. Okay, coming in, I think a lot of responsibility will go to Ryan Craig, Ryan McGill, uh, to get everything set up. He's going to come in. He might have some things. He, you know, obviously he'll address the team. Uh, and this is an area that he's he's done before. So you know, you got a veteran coach coming in. Uh, he's going to have his voice. He's going to want to get to know his players. 
Um, but this is this is going to be on them to, as we mentioned, to see how the wake up call that they all talked about. Let's see if it happens. Bruce Cassidy said that the first time you address a team is the most important time you ever address them. He said when I the first time I addressed the Washington Capitals, he said I got it wrong and I never got back from it, never came back from it. He said yeah, that that first how you talk to them and how you handle them and set well, that, it'll be important. Set that tone is uh, is is crucial. So I'm sure that's a big part of what uh, of what he's doodling on that plane. You think about his background as a lawyer. You know, the night before arguing a case, and I don't know anything about Pete DeBoer's law practicing history, other than he's got a law degree, but I remember talking to John Cooper about it because he's a very successful coach who was a practicing lawyer before he started coaching hockey. And just thinking about a pregame speech or addressing a team for the first time, what it must be like as compared to when you're a lawyer and you're about to argue a case to make your closing statements I wonder what that process is like. I can't imagine. Well, yeah. Very interesting, though. You got to put a bow on what has happened and, before, and, and, and you're gotta, stepping in for a coach that was loved. Exactly. In that room, which you, is you've got to be respectful. not always the case. In you got to be respectful of that situation, and but you also have to infuse hope and also infuse authority. Make sure that everyone understands that. That you're you're the new guy, and you're and there are going to be some changes at some point in time. Interesting. I remember last year Dan Peter DeBoer talking about his his getting his law degree, and he said how much it's come in handy as a coach because you're always making a case for something. You know, you're always trying to get through to players or yeah. through to whatever you know the situation might be. So, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this this pans out. Um, I don't know if we anybody saw this coming, and but it's happened here today. But as you mentioned earlier, guys, and I'll just pile on. You know, the chance to get to know uh, these two men, great men, in, in Gerard Very and Mike Kelly, and they'll be back as human beings. They want to be if they want to be back. They'll be back. You know, quick little side note, and you guys know the story. But renovating a house over the summer, Mike Kelly lives around the corner from me, and he said he was going back to PEI for the summer. He said, "Come stay at my house." So I stayed at this house for 10 days. And then I went to Shane Knighty's house for 10 days. Yeah. It was like a vagabond. But anyway, I'll always be grateful to Mike for that and, and for him and Turk just uh, for yeah, everything they did. What an opportunity to get to know them as, very, gold, very as human beings. Yeah. The way they tr- yes. he cheated us on a day-in and day-out basis was yeah. uh, and, you couldn't ask for more. And, and when you look back upon these first few years of Golden Knights history, Gerard Gallant is inextricably linked oh, yeah, to what has been achieved here. And no matter what happens the rest of his career, you'll never be able to take away what has happened. And I would think... Very special place in the organization. I'm giving Dan points for good words today. I'm going to go to back. I got to go check my thesaurus and dictionary (laughs) and everything now. Those two men, I think, will be coaching again when they feel like they want to coach again. If they want. If they want want where they want. They they will be landing somewhere on their feet uh, whenever they feel like landing on their feet. All right, so... That is a special edition of the Sheriff Lawless Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Uh, a historic day here in, in Golden Knights history, a coaching change. Uh, Peter DeBoer coming in, replacing Gerard Gallant. First game with the new coach here in Ottawa against the Senators tomorrow night. We'll talk to you next time on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast.